You're listening to episode number five of the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today, we're welcoming the one and only Natalie Frank to the podcast. And guys, this episode is going to blow your mind, fire you up, and probably make you cry in the best way possible. Natalie Frank is an entrepreneur, mobilization marketer, community builder, and neuroscience nerd. As one of the founders of the Rising Tide Society and head of community at HoneyBook, she leads tens of thousands of creatives and small business owners while fostering a spirit of community over competition around the world. In today's interview, we chat with Natalie about her story of pivoting from a wildly successful wedding photography business into founding an entire movement, the Rising Tide Society, and how that led her to join forces with the company HoneyBook, which we talk all about because we love it so much. Natalie goes in-depth on how she dealt with running a successful business while dealing with health issues, and guys, she shares her story in such a vulnerable way with such grace that she literally had me in tears. Her story is so powerful, and I know it's going to touch your heart so much. Natalie talks all about how to find the intersection between your qualifications and passions and people's needs, and she gives tangible, practical takeaways on how to do just that. Seriously, we cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Natalie is going to bless your ears, make you feel not so alone, and ignite you to rise up and own who you were made to be. You ready for all of that? Then Heart and Hustle fam, welcome to the podcast, Natalie Frank. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, ladies, for having me. We're so excited to have you here. Seriously, this is like an honor for us. Um, We both respect you and have followed you for so long, so it's so fun to have you here chatting with us today. Oh, I'm so honored. And honestly, I've been working on my dance moves for the last couple weeks, and then- I realized it was a podcast. So <laughs> that was kind of a letdown. I'm not going to lie. I've been, you know, watching your stories and practicing my own moves, but it's okay. Oh we'll save gosh. it for another time. We'll save it for Just another time. Do a story after this with you dancing, <laughs> like in our honor. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I think that sounds great. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, Natalie, for people who don't know you, we kind of wanted to start off just telling us a little bit about like your journey. Like what has your career path looked like? Like how did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So I was a full-time wedding photographer for about eight years. I photographed weddings primarily all over the place from the East Coast to the West Coast and beyond. And then towards that, you know, seven, eight year mark in my business, I recognized that I was kind of living in this pattern of loneliness and just feeling really isolated in my space as an entrepreneur. And I know you ladies have talked a little bit about this, but you just got to find your people. And I hadn't really found mine yet. And so I basically went on this mission to create a community in my hometown of Annapolis, Maryland. And the long story short is that I cultivated a small community alongside alongside some other really extraordinary creatives and the Rising Tide Society was born. And it started just in my hometown of Annapolis and quickly spread to become a community of over 77,000 creative entrepreneurs hosting meetups in over 400 cities around the world. And 
that's what I've been working on for the last almost five years, about four and a half years. And that journey led me on so many adventures, including to connect with an extraordinary company called HoneyBook, which we partnered with and then eventually became a part of back many years ago now. And so I've been leading community for HoneyBook and supporting Rising Tide ever since. Dang. I have so many questions just based off of that. That's awesome. (laughs) I guess let's dive in first to what made you want to start the Rising Tide Society? Like I know you said you were feeling lonely, but Mm -hmm. like how do you go from being a photographer to like being like, no, I'm going to start something this big or well, you probably didn't know it was going to be that big when you started it, but just talk about like maybe just the transition of just from photographer to like, no, I want to start this thing. Yeah. So I really look back at one night in particular as sort of being the catalyst of the entire thing. And it was this night where I was working late. It was, you know, kind of one of those nights, and I'm sure you ladies have had this. I'm sure anyone listening to this has had this where you're working, you're working, you're working, and the sun sets outside and you've been working nonstop for hours and you look up from your computer and you realize, okay, the room is dark. I haven't even turned any lights on. The only light is coming from my laptop. And I was just sitting there that night staring at the glow of my laptop completely in the dark. And this thought just came barreling through my mind. And it was, I'm tired of feeling so alone. Mm, that's so and the good. minute, yeah, the minute the thought came, I truthfully, I wanted to rip it back. I was embarrassed. I felt so much shame. You know, on the outside, I had this thriving business. I had checked all the boxes. I had done all the things that the world told me to do to be successful. And here I was feeling so alone. And the reality was I never set out to create something massive. I never wanted to leave wedding photography. I was loving what I was doing. I was so passionate about my clients. I had built a very, very successful business on track to do a quarter of a million in revenue that year on my own. And this is prior to educating. I mean, I was just barely starting to dabble into that. Yeah. And so I loved where I was at. I had no interest in pivoting or changing directions at that point in time. I just felt an incredible pain point and I knew that I needed to solve it. And it wasn't something, you know, in the beginning, even that was altruistic, like it was a selfish pursuit. I recognized that if I didn't build community, if I couldn't find a group of people to connect with, that it was going to kill me, that this business would not last, that I would fall apart. And the craziest part about it is when I raised my hand to say, you know what, I am tired of competing in a space where I feel like I need community. And the only people that really understand how hard this is, how tough it is to build a business are other entrepreneurs. They're the only other people that get it, you know, and we shouldn't be competing. We shouldn't be tearing each other down. We really should be raising each other up. And it basically just started from that, from that pain point, And then asking people to get coffee and guys get this, look, I'm a marketing genius. I mean, you know it, I know it. The first name was really original. It was Creative Cafes because I thought, great, creatives can get together in cafes. <laughs> wait, wait, you're saying that the Rising Tide started oh. out as Creative Cafes? Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I, and so, that is, I have never heard that before. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a really original name, but it was almost too good to come to fruition. It was just like too perfect. So instead, uh, we <laughs> brainstormed other names. But actually, the first meetup was legitimately called Creative Cafes in Annapolis. And someone oh said like, God. you know, that's a little too literal, you know, like, oh my gosh. So I, we ended up going with the Rising Tide Society. It's kind of, you know, it's sad looking back actually, that poor name. Um, <laughs> but 
that's where it started. It was just a meetup for coffee. It was so simple. It wasn't this extraordinary revolutionary idea, but the reality is, and I hope this is something that you guys could take away, anyone listening to this, is that I felt a pain and I went out to solve it. It was that simple. It wasn't, let me brainstorm, you know, the most strategic path to create exponential growth and become, you know, the most extraordinary community builder that I can. I had no interest in doing any of that. I didn't want to feel alone anymore. And what I realized was that this pain point wasn't something that I alone was feeling, but other people were feeling it too. And so when I set out to solve it, you know, I basically worked alongside so many other people in building Rising Tide. It was like, I raised my hand and then other people said, okay, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. I want to see this this solved and fixed. And the entire community was really built from the leaders that we worked with along the way, all of the extraordinary local leaders that host meetups in their hometowns, all of the folks that said, you know what, I think the online community needs a better moderation team, needs a vision and direction and step forward to make that happen. And so it all started with, yes, like my idea. And I get way more credit than I deserve for it, truthfully, because it was the it was built on the, on the leadership of the community. And it was built on people stepping up to make waves and really make a change. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then ultimately where it got today, you know, with, with a lot of, a lot of hard work, but no initial vision for it to be as large as it is. No way. No way. That's so cool. And I think that's such a cool, like example of so many people, like you don't always have to have this huge vision of like, oh my gosh, I want this to turn into like X, Y, and Z. I want this to turn into, you know, like a super lucrative like business or a super large community. Like sometimes you just have to have one idea and be like, no, I want five people in this with mm-hmm. me and like go mm-hmm. for it. Like you don't have to have or, you know, your ideas aren't lesser than just because you're, you don't have like this long-term massive vision for it. Like sometimes starting small and just having one idea and going for it is what turns into that magic that actually like creates the huge impact. Well, and I think there's something so earnest about you having just like this issue that you're dealing with and you're like, no, if I could just wait for somebody else to come up with a problem mm-hmm. or not come up with a problem, come up with a solution for it, but why wait for somebody when I could do it myself? Like why, I don't know, what's the quote of like, if not somebody else, then who? Or sorry, yeah. if not me, if not me, then who? Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, you nailed it. Like Lindsay, you nailed it. I genuinely had a moment too where I looked around and I'm like, why is no one fixing this? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, somebody, like somebody else, you know, fix this. And my husband is one of my my biggest advocates. I joke that he's been my business manager since day one, you know, Aww. but he also never allows me to be a victim. Not in life, not in my circumstance, not through my health issues. Never will he let me be a victim. And so, you know, alongside this, he was that voice that kept saying, Natalie, stop complaining and go fix it. If you don't want this place to feel so lonely, if you don't want to see women tearing down other women, then you need to step up and you need to do something. But don't Mm. sit here and keep complaining about it. And, you know, he's not fluffy. I am fluffy. I can fluff, like I can just (laughs) make everything emotional. And, and, you know, that's where my heart lies, but he is like logic based. And so he said, problem, solution, figure it out. And I really credit a lot of this to him and that insight and just his perspective being so different from mine, because how often do all of us see problems or feel problems or see a gap in the market and just go, why has no one done that? Mm. Very rarely do we raise our hands to say, well, what if I tried? 
doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly, but what if you just try? What if you try to solve a problem? And also I want to add one more thing. One of the biggest mistakes I think that we make as creatives is that oftentimes we build businesses based on what we want to provide the world, not necessarily based on the pain points and the needs that exist. Oh, yes. and I could go off on that. Yes, keep, <laughs> mm-hmm. keep talking. <laughs> and I believe that the the secret sauce, the magic, that when you see like rapid explosion in a creative's business, it happens when they understand how to find a middle ground between that thing that they are uniquely qualified to do, that they were created to do, and the need and the pain point that exists in the world. And at that intersection point of their talents and their passion and that pain point or that problem that exists and the solution that only they can provide, that is where we see magic in business. And too many people are not looking for the pain point or the problem. They're just following their passion. And I think that you know that's great as, as a creative, but if you want to add the additional word of entrepreneur to that, that title, if you want to take creative and add business, a business needs to be something that provides a solution or solves a problem. And so I learned that as well with Rising Tide, where I think I, I knew that instinctively as a wedding photographer. If I, you know, provided a certain, you know, quality of service, I was solving a problem that someone had. They needed to find a photographer, but never did I experience it in the way I did with Rising Tide, where I actively saw a world in which there was a problem. I set out to solve it. And like electricity, it just spread and it magnified and it blew up. And it wasn't because I was a genius. It had nothing to do with any of that. A lot of times we look at people that have success and we say, oh, it's just something that they must have done right. It was truthfully because I hit a pain that was so extreme that it reverberated around the country and around the world, that people felt so lonely and they were desperately longing for connection in the chaos. And I just stepped up to solve it in my corner of the universe. I didn't do it perfectly. I made a ton of mistakes, a ton. We could do a whole episode on mistakes Natalie Frank made trying to become a community builder, okay? Like really, I made all the mistakes. But I saw that intersection. I said, look, these are my gifts. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I am really good at these things. And here's this pain point. And I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I know I'm going to fumble and I'm going to have errors left and right, but I care a lot about people. I love to talk. I could talk all day. And there are things I'm super passionate about. And when I'm passionate, people can tell I'm being genuine. They know that I really, really give a damn about it. They can tell. And so if I can align my passions and and this thing that I'm meeting in my life with the pain point that exists in the world, maybe I can get other people to join forces. And I think as business owners, we so often miss that second part, which is the pain point and the problem. Oh my gosh. You, oh. if you could see us right now, we're in Evie's closet with our hands like <laughs> raised toward the ceiling. Like, Paris. We're both legit like nodding so hard. Like, my headphones almost fell off. Like, hands are up. <laughs> like, we're both like, like freaking on fire with you right now. Like, could not agree with this more. This no, but- is so important for people to understand because mm-hmm. I think as, as creatives, as creative business owners, as whatever, we think a lot in the terms of, you know, what can our clients do for us? Like give us money to pay our bills or um, get more followers to like get us closer to that number that we want on Instagram or like whatever it is. We're looking to other people to fill our needs and that'll only get us so far. Like you'll consistently be running into a wall if you're not actually looking out and being like, what do other people need that I can like serve them with, that I can provide them with, that I am designed and qualified for to help them along Mm -hmm. their path. And that's something that Lindsay and I teach um, is like the, is it the Don Miller? Is that his name? Mm -hmm. Okay. The Don Miller like story brand method Mm -hmm. um, of like, 
how can I, like, I'm not the hero of this story. Like, you are like as my client, as my like whatever. You're the hero. I'm here to help you get from point A to point B. What do you need that I can provide you with? Yeah, and well, and I kind of want to lead that Natalie into a question of what would you? Because I could imagine listeners listening to this and being like, "Yes, I I want to fill a need, but I I don't know what I'm qualified in." What would you suggest to, or what advice would you say to somebody that's like, "I I want to create a business that fills a need that is." an intersection for something that I'm passionate about, but I don't know what that is. What would your advice be for that? Oh, so I think the first thing would be digging in and really, you you do actually have to really deeply understand what your genius is. Like what is your unique thing that sets you apart? And before you even go searching for the need or the pain point, you, you've got to have that clear. So you've got to have clarity around your superpower. I think that if you're struggling to find that, you first kind of dig into what you enjoy, but also, you know, talk to somebody who knows you better than anybody else and just ask them, what am I uniquely good at? Because some of the things that we, you know, do every single day, the qualities that we have are personality traits that we take for granted, or sometimes we even don't like about ourselves, are actually genius to other people. And all it takes is one person unlocking that or providing clarity or perspective for us to see it. So that's sort of the one side is really trying to dig in, figuring out, you know, what is that that angle of what you're uniquely good at? And if you struggle, there are personality tests, but sometimes I'm not kidding. Just ask, I asked my husband, I said, what am I really good at? And he'll say things that oftentimes I think are either not a strength or I'll even look at look at it as a deterrent. So for example, with me, my husband will say, oh, well, you love to connect with people. And I say, yeah, but that wastes a ton of time in business. <laughs> Think about that. I, I mean, as a wedding photographer at an engagement session, I would go for like three hours. I could, yeah. I could hang out with them for four hours and other people mm-hmm. would be, that's terrible ROI. You are getting paid so much less per hour because you just extended the amount of time. But had I looked at that as a strength, right? And then optimized by taking everything else off my plate as a wedding photographer, not spending my time. It's one of the reasons I'm passionate about HoneyBook, not spending my time dealing with contracts and payments and invoices and all of the paperwork and spent that time investing in the relationship. If I had seen that from day one, it would have been a game changer, but I needed that perspective. So figuring out for you, what is that superpower? What is that thing? And then in terms of the need, let me put it this way. There are so many problems, so many pain points, so many things that people are struggling with. All you have to do is listen. You mm. just have to listen. You have to be able to step beyond what you, in terms of your lens, think the problems are, take your bias out of it, take your lens out of it, and just listen, absorb, become a sponge. If you already have a little bit of an audience, if you already have customers, if you have a platform already, then you need to be surveying them. You need to be getting quantitative you know, data on their pain points. And that's a gift. If you don't have that ability to survey an audience, you know, start by going to the place where your ideal client or your target market spends their time and just absorb, become the sponge. So this means, for example, If you are a person that wants to teach creatives or you want to create a product for creatives, let's say, in in your own market, then you need to be spending time in forums where they're complaining about their problems. You need to be spending time in Facebook groups where they're writing questions about what they don't understand or what they don't know how to do or how they're struggling with a particular problem because all of those questions are pain points. 
And mm-hmm. all of those questions reveal just a little bit about what somebody's going through. You apply this to anything, any target audience. So if we're talking, you're a florist, you need to be going to where, or a wedding florist in particular, let's say you need to go to where couples are planning their weddings or talking about their weddings or asking questions or struggling to find you know, information on anything from budget to what flowers are in season to you know Pinterest. Like what is, what are they, where are they going? Where are they trying to find a- access to resources, knowledge, information, advice, support, and then what are they particularly trying to find? If you can go to a place where people are asking questions, complaining, you know, basically venting, communicating about what they're going through, regardless of your industry, and you can you can kind of find that space for your particular audience, there's a gold mine of problems and needs just waiting for you mm-hmm. to solve. And I think so often we don't do that. So often what I see people doing is they look up at other people that have been successful or that they perceive to be successful in their market. And rather than going out and carving their own path to solving problems, they replicate the behaviors of people in their exact space. And I think that there is such a wide open lane for people that are willing to not take that path and are willing to take more of an approach of, let me find the pains, let me find the needs, and then I will provide the solutions in my unique way. Which also means it doesn't, if someone else is out there providing solutions, it doesn't mean you can't as well. You have a really unique perspective. You have a different way of approaching things. You might have different experiences or you know, a different way of communicating that just resonates with people so much differently or just provides them value and just enough of a, a nuance or a niche or you know, a different lens that they can, they can really gain value from. And so I want to also say, when I say find a pain point, it's okay if other people have found that pain point. It is okay. I just think it's really critical that you understand what you're trying to solve rather than just create something for the sake of thinking it's going to stick or thinking it's going to be successful, right? It's about them. It's about who you're serving. It's not about our interests and our desires all the time. It's finding that intersection. Uh, that is freaking gospel truth right uh, there. That's insane. Well, it's it's market research is what you're talking yes. about instead mm-hmm. of copying the people that you look up to, which I could go off on all day. But like, <laughs> oh man, that was so good. Yeah. Natalie. Well, Natalie, you, I kind of want to ask a question like circling back around because you touched on this and Nat, or Lindsay and I obviously are super passionate about HoneyBook as well, but I would love to hear just a little bit about like HoneyBook, like expound on that a little bit and like your mm-hmm. story with HoneyBook and that, like how that came into your journey. Yeah. And how, well, just what HoneyBook is also because for yeah. the people that don't know yes. that. Absolutely. So let's start there. HoneyBook is a proactive platform that helps creative business owners to streamline and automate their workflows. So this looks like taking everything about somebody's process, everything from inquiry through booking, through delivery, right? And really finding a way to place it into the system. It's not about using the system to streamline. It's about taking your process, the genius that you are, what you've created, and then optimizing it and putting it in HoneyBook and it handles everything. So I mentioned inquiry, even having a contact form on your website that captures a lead through how you handle your brochure and communicate what you have to offer through the actual contract, the payment plan, sending the reminders so that you don't have to worry about doing that. It takes it all off of your plate. So this platform is really designed to help elevate the business owner so that they can spend more time doing what they love. We talked about superpowers, leaning into that superpower and less time on the tasks in their business that maybe exhaust them or drain them from doing the creative work that they're passionate about or take time away that they would be spending with their family. It gives them peace of mind and it helps them just to operate from a place of leaning into what they love. And that's bottom line, what HoneyBook is all about. So it manages the business. Now, 
my connection with HoneyBook starts when we were building Rising Tide and someone from the HoneyBook team kept hearing about these meetings that we were having. Their members were talking about Rising Tide and the meetups. And so um, somebody reached out to us and said, hey, we keep hearing about Rising Tide. We love your mission. We love what you're about. Let's connect. And we flew out to San Francisco to host one of our Tuesdays Together meetups out there. And we got a chance to sit with the HoneyBook team. And I could go on for days. We don't have that much time, but I really could about that experience and how amazing it was. But bottom line is I sat with lunch, sat um, at lunch with the HoneyBook co-founders and we were truthfully finishing each other's sentences about our vision for this industry. And what was wild about it is that we both saw a future where people could build a life on passion and purpose, where they were empowering one another to rise together and they were waking up every morning doing that thing that they were created to do. And we wanted to build that world. Now, Rising Tide had been working to build it through community. We had been hosting meetups and providing educational resources and trying to bridge the gap by cultivating a space where people could find one another. And HoneyBook had tried to create that reality and was succeeding by by providing technology, by creating a platform that empowered people to you know, shift the time dynamic of where they're spending their time in their business away from all of the tasks that technology could do for them and into those things that were so uniquely creative and human and, and their superpower. And so we were trying to solve a similar problem, but through different routes. And the long story short is that we decided to join forces and to work on that problem together. And so over the last four years, I've been a part of the HoneyBook team, helping and supporting from the community side, whether that looks like you know hosting initiatives like 20 on the Rise, which is our list of rising stars in the creative economy and elevating voices of other creatives that are doing an extraordinary job or creating a gift guide that highlights our makers, running a business accelerator program called Upward, like you name it. Uh, we're doing a lot in the space of supporting creative entrepreneurs in their pursuit of building a business through HoneyBook that transcends even what people think of as the client you know, management tool. It's so much more than that. It's about creating an ecosystem where a business owner really does have an opportunity to thrive and doesn't have to do it alone and feels supported every part of the way, which I know you guys both use HoneyBook, so you're familiar with a lot of what I'm saying. But for folks out there that don't know, that's, that's really the vision and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And so it's been amazing. It's been an amazing time really working with with the product and just getting to know the incredible human beings behind HoneyBook. I love that, Natalie, so much just because I, I had never thought about like why Rising Tide and HoneyBook kind of joined forces, but it makes so mm-hmm. much sense. You had the same mission, but just from different avenues. And honestly, that's a huge reason I love using HoneyBook is because it gives you time or it gives you your time back to not spend in your business and actually doing the thing that you love and that you're good at, which is your passion, your genius zone, whatever you want to call it. Like you get to have that time back and like not have to be in your inbox or in your just like sending invoices and sending contracts all day long. You actually get to do what you love and what moves the needle forward in your business most while HoneyBook literally just like takes care of the rest. And I love just honestly how much you can automate. I I could like go on for days. And honestly, we joke that like our favorite part of HoneyBook is on the app when you get paid. It like makes the ka-ching sound is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I legit, when I first got the HoneyBook app, I never had my like ringer on on my phone ever until I got the app. And then I made sure that ringer was on all the time so I could hear the ka-ching come through because it's the best sound in the world. You just feel like a superwoman <laughs> and you, I do like a hair flip every time. Like if I'm out with dinner with my friends and I hear a ka-ching, I'm like, excuse me, and then hair flip. <laughs> and then you're like, I just got paid while I'm sitting here eating. Like it's the best. 
You ladies are amazing. I love that. I love that so much. I know that's actually, that's one of my favorite parts too, but it's the little things like that, that you can't yes. eat at dinner. You're not at your computer. You're not trying to send the payment reminders last minute, you know, before you take off for the weekend. You're living your life and getting paid at the same time. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about letting people have that freedom and knowing that they can trust that their business is taken care of and it's yeah. operating in the background, even when they're sleeping, even when they're out at dinner, you know, things are getting done. Inquiries are being responded to. Work Flows are being executed and they get yeah. to lean into doing what they love. And so you nailed it. Well, and I love it. something that I think is so awesome is especially if like for us, we travel a lot for weddings and just elopements and stuff. And so we're on the road a ton. And the fact that HoneyBook has an app that you can just virtually do pretty much everything that you would do on the computer, on your phone is so convenient because I can literally answer my clients like while I'm in the airport and I can send invoices while I'm in the airport. And it's just so it's amazing. I love it so much. So thank you for talking about that and just kind of breaking that down for us. Of course. Hey, Heart Fam. We had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Okay, Natalie. So I have a question. I kind of want to circle like full circle back to when you were starting the conversation because you mentioned that when you started the Rising Tide Society and all of this kind of like began, you were loving where you were as a wedding photographer. You were super successful with that. Um, and you had no plans or desires to pivot at that moment. So can you talk just a little bit about like starting your photography business and then like transitioning into a, such a huge pivot that you weren't like anticipating and like going for, like, I would love to hear a little bit of your perspective on that. Yes. So if we want to go to the way, way back, <laughs> when I was in high school, I picked up a camera and I, I bet, I don't know both of your stories super well when it comes to that first moment you picked up a camera, but if it was anything like my first moment, it changed everything for me. The minute I held that camera in my hands, I felt like yes. I could communicate with the outside world for the first time. It was yes. wild. Love yeah. That. I mean, it was wild. I just, I never experienced that ability to demonstrate to others how I viewed them, you know, demonstrated mm -hmm. to them how beautiful I felt like they were or how amazing their love story was, or the fact that I could do something that would outlive me. 
that was incredible, you know, that those images would be shared by other generations, that someone 100 years from now might be holding on to one of the images I captured and they would never know my name, but my work would have mattered. It would have mm. meant something to their family. And I I just was electrified by that and, and really fell in love with photography from the very first moment. I mean, I still photograph all the time, just not professionally. I love photography as an art. So I, I built that business from sort of my senior year of high school through college. I paid my way through Penn by shooting weddings on the weekend. I would take the train back to Baltimore from Philadelphia almost every weekend, especially during busy season. As you can imagine, it was sort of like, you know, East Coast. We have sort of like spring, summer, yeah. and then fall. And you shoot like crazy during spring, summer, and fall. And I would take the train back. I would photograph weddings. I'd hop on the early morning Amtrak back up to Philly to get to my 9 a.m. class. And I did that for years and years, graduated, didn't go get the nine to five job, decided I was going to be sort of, you know, making my own path and went and built that business. And so I loved where I was at in my business. I was really hitting my stride. Now, pivoting is something that I think some people intentionally seek either when they need something new, they're feeling frustrated with where they're at, or they reach a certain point where there's no more you know, upward progression or additional avenues in which they can explore and they, they are craving something new. Or sometimes we pivot because life gives us a set of circumstances that we didn't foresee coming. And in my case, it was kind of a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, yes, I mentioned rising tide. One thing that I also didn't mention, but you both know my story a little bit, and that was that I was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor in my early 20s. And that brain tumor was located sort of behind where your two optic nerves cross. And it was very, very much close to touching the optic chiasm, which essentially means if it continued to grow and progress, there was a very good chance of, you know, partial blindness, um, temporary blindness, visual disturbances. And here I had built my entire career on being able to see the world through a lens. And it isn't something I talk so much about, but it was one of the hardest things to go through in terms of getting like a little emotional, not wanting to openly share that with the world for fear that I would lose everything that I had built. And so from the time I was diagnosed and for the five years that I kept that incredibly private, when the opportunity to step into a role at Rising Tide full-time really became you know, more present, I leaped. And I leaped because I think in my heart, I very much knew that my sight could be taken from me. And should that happen, you know, I... I really, really wanted to be in a place where I had flexed my creative muscles and could do more than just one thing. And I was very, very much afraid of that, of losing my vision. And sure enough, five years after that diagnosis, I had moved to California. I was working for Honeybook and Rising Tide full time. And the basically the news came from my neurosurgeon that he felt like it was time to operate. And this was two years ago. And so we went in, I had the surgery, um, you know, recovered from, from that surgery over several, several months. And being able to 
pivot to take my talents and what I what I love to do, connect with people, spend far too much time talking with them. Um, in many ways, in the photography world was actually a, a small struggle, as I alluded to with my husband's feedback of, oh, no, you're really good at that. I'm like, yeah, great, honey. But that, that requires me to spend four hours in an engagement session because I love to talk. <laughs> then became my superpower and my weapon against the age of algorithms when it came to connecting with other human beings in community. And in a lot of ways, looking back, I, I might feel as though I leaped, you know, maybe out of fear, maybe out of a newfound passion, maybe out of an opportunity that I never saw coming. But I can look now and see that it was all very much intentional, that the route I took led me to California, which led me to an amazing company that had my back throughout the entire brain, you know, surgery and all that was to come. It also led me to create a community that when I finally was able to share about what I was walking through, when I opened up and I stopped hiding my diagnosis, didn't pity me. My community didn't feel bad for what I was going through. They empowered me. They supported me. They encouraged me. And they taught me that being vulnerable enables other people to do the same. It creates a, it creates a space for honesty and authenticity. And my community really carried me through that recovery process and through the hardships that followed with fertility treatment and all of the other steps along the way that truthfully I probably never would have shared had it not been for the response of my community when I finally came clean and was honest about what I was going through behind the scenes. And so I think the pivot in many ways was sort of unforeseen, but also meant to be a part of my journey all along because the way the stars aligned when I had the right doctors and an amazing company and an amazing community, you know, Hugh and I were just talking about this actually last week. I don't know that I would have a son today had it not been for that choice to pivot from photography into leading Rising Tide, into joining HoneyBook, into being at UCSF with the medical team that I had both for neuro, for my brain, and for infertility, which is a resulting consequence of having my brain tumor. I don't know if I would have met some of the most extraordinary people that changed my life forever, both on the HoneyBook team and in Tel Aviv and you know, in the creative community that I've gotten to witness their journeys and be a part of those journeys and cheering them on and seeing them thrive and create extraordinary things. I don't know if I would have connected with both of you. You know, I, I look back and I'm so grateful for being open to that potential new pivot and for leaping at all. And so for anyone listening to this that maybe, you know, is a photographer right now or has a creative business or is thinking about starting one, I would encourage you as well, you know, be open, always be open when there are opportunities or you see that pain point that needs to be solved, or you have that desire in your heart to go do something else or to add to your, I like to call it like adding to your titles list, you know, the comma, we're kind of the comma club where it's like photographer, <laughs> comma, speaker, comma, blogger, yep. <laughs> comma, writer, comma, educator, comma, whatever the things are that you want to add, those commas you want to continue adding to, to your title to consider doing it and to not be afraid because sometimes those desires, I believe, truly are placed on our heart for a very, very good reason. And they have the potential to open doors for us that we never see coming and to introduce us to other people that can change the trajectory of our entire lives. We just have to be open and willing to follow suit mm -hmm. on, on that little push that we feel in our heart. Oh my gosh. Natalie, I'm like sitting here crying. Like yeah. literally, I like tears are down my face. Like, cause you... You are so genuine. You have such a beautiful heart. And just hearing you tell your story, like you took something that 
Well, first of all, I had no idea that the brain tumor was like a five, like it, it was in your life, like way before you publicly announced it, which obviously I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. But like the fact that you almost were forced out of photography in a way, but you looked at it with just a viewpoint that's so beautiful. Like people could look at this and be like all bitter and like, oh, woe is me or just angry at God or the world or whatever. And I I mean, and you probably had like moments of that, but you just Mm -hmm. like have such a beautiful heart that like hearing you talk about that, like I know it's going to touch our listeners. Like I'm, it's touched me. Like I'm sitting here crying. Like it's, it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. And just the perspective that you said of like, maybe it's not what you intended originally, but Mm -hmm. your story it it turned out the way it was supposed to turn out and you met people that you never would have. And like, that's just the beautiful thing about life, I think, is that sometimes things happen to us and sometimes we're forced to make decisions that maybe we don't want to or in the moment seem scary or big or huge or just unfortunate, but like God's in control and like you, your story is such a testament of that. And it's so beautiful just to like see, I don't know, just the the story of how you went through that and how it just changed your life. My mom used to say something to me growing up. She would say, Natalie, you can't always control what's going to happen to you in life, but you can control how you react to it. And I think that that really shaped me into the person that I am. There's no doubt about it because, you know, I couldn't control being diagnosed with a benign brain tumor. And my first reaction was to hide it. My human reaction was to say, I don't want anyone to find out find out about this because first of all, it's hard enough to rise to the top of your field. I mean, like as a woman, I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard. You have to be, you know, twice as professional and twice as intelligent, twice as good and twice as business savvy. I really felt that pressure. I really did. I felt that pressure. Let alone be someone who also admits to their brokenness. I was terrified. I tried to hide that as as much as I could. And I I look back and I recognize that that wasn't the best choice. I really missed out, I think, on a lot of years of having support and being more open. But at the same time, too, I kept this thought just kept going through my head, which was like, who's going to hire a wedding photographer that could go blind on their wedding day without notice? Who could wake up the morning of their wedding without vision? Like, who would do, you know? And I, I let that fear keep me, I think, from really speaking my truth and really, really opening up about what I was going through. And so for those five years, I hid it. And I'm, I'm currently writing a book. And in the book, I basically describe the fact that, you know, I didn't share because I was brave. I shared because I think that I had been getting the nudges all along to share for year after year after year. And it wasn't until I was truly standing at the edge of a cliff and I had to go through brain surgery. And I recognized that I didn't want the last thing I said to my community and to the people that I love to be a lie. I didn't want to get on the other side of that surgery and not be me anymore or not you know, be able to tell them what I had walked through and to tell them that you can both be at the height of your career and be incredibly successful and also be struggling. I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity to be honest and to leave my legacy the way I wanted to leave it on my own terms. And so I shared because I was standing at the edge of that cliff heading in for surgery in three weeks. And I think back to what my mom said and my mom, you know, she's right. I couldn't control a lot of those things, but each choice I made had a consequence, both for good and for bad. And I can truly look back and say, you know, the moment that I decided to share and I decided to be a little more vulnerable with the people in my life, I still don't bear it all. I'm not advocating that you guys run out and share 
everything about everything. We even joked when we got on, I said, I'm pretty open book unless we want to talk about, and I inserted a ton of silly things that no one would ever talk about on a podcast (laughs) because I think that there's beauty in privacy too. That's not what I'm advocating, just like sharing every bit of what you struggle with with the world. But what I am saying is when there are those opportunities for honesty and when it's something that is really keeping you up at night and you really could use the support and the community and the ability to connect with other human beings, that if you can take anything away from my story, know that people will surprise you. Human beings, all of us are wearing our masks every day. We are so afraid to be honest with the world. We are so afraid to, even from a creative standpoint, how often do we create something and we're terrified that people are going to hate it? So maybe we don't share it or maybe we pass it off like it didn't really matter to us, but in the back of our minds or you know, in the deepest parts of our heart, it did matter. It matters so deeply to us. We try to hide those true parts of ourselves and we create those masks and we build those walls and we have our facade where everything looks great on the outside. And the truth is that people don't want that. We try to become the people that we think other people want us to be, but in reality, what people really want is just honesty Mm, and they want us to show up as us. And so I think I realized that much later on in my journey. Um, And I'll be honest, I'm grateful that, that I did share because now it has enabled me to have really genuine and truthful conversations with other people that I never would have been able to and just support people in my own community that were walking through things I had no idea about. And even just to connect with some of my role models who I thought had it all together and come to find out they're human, just like me. (laughs) And I think that there's a lot of beauty in that. Yeah. And I think like just to touch on something that you touched on, this is something that I feel super passionately about is you don't have to share everything, but at least for me, how I juggle that, you know, that balance between being honest and being vulnerable and sharing, you know, what really is going on in your life is whether or not I feel peace on it. Like, do I feel peace Mm. like sharing this with the world? Like not, do I feel comfortable? There's a difference between feeling comfortable and like safe and feeling peace. Like at least for me, Um, so I always just ask myself that question of like, do I feel peace on sharing this with the world? Like, is it scary? Fine. Is it uncomfortable? Fine. But do I feel peace on it? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like something I ask myself of like, like there are certain times, like I just announced my relationship with my boyfriend and we've been dating for a year. And oh, I know. A, I for follow a year. <laughs> Yeah. And for a year, it was like, I didn't feel peace on it. Like I just felt God right. saying, no, this is your time for you guys. This is your private time mm-hmm. to just between you guys and me and your families and like your closest friends, just enjoy where you are. Just live your life right now. The world doesn't need to know about While this. While hoodwinking all of the world. <laughs> and I, so I didn't feel peace on it. So I didn't share it, even though like, you know, technically that's something that like, why wouldn't I share? But it was one of those things where it was like, no, 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 this is, this is my time to sort through this with, with Landon and with God and with our friends. Um, and so I feel like that's like a, just a similar situation of like, if I feel peace on it, like whatever that season is, like kind of what you were saying, like it might be scary. It might be really hard. You might not be sure how people are going to respond, but if you feel like it's going to benefit other people, if you feel like there's this tug on your heart of like, I'm supposed to share this. I feel peace on sharing this, even though it scares the mm-hmm. heck out of me. Like that's the moment when you walk out. Like that's at least for me how I juggle that balance of like my private life versus my public life is just like, where's the peace laying here? Like where where should this fall, personal or public? 
And I love that you kept that private. I think that sometimes we feel the pressure the opposite way as well with certain things to share immediately or that, you know, somehow if we aren't sharing, you know, it's, I don't know, it it isn't real or it's not because there is a lot of pressure, I think, especially on young people with relationships. That's like a big one. Oh, is it official or not? And Oh, two days in. Let me tell everyone, Facebook official. (laughs) Right. And I think there's so much beauty in carving out sacred spaces where Mm -hmm. you can be 100% yourself and you can protect that space from the world as well. I think it goes both ways. I really do. So I love that. I love that you did that. And I was so excited for you when you shared. I really, like I was one of the people doing like a dance in my room. I was so excited for you. I love that so much. It's so it's so fun to bring people in to, you know, a season that you've been just kind of uh working through on your own or like just enjoying like privately like with the people that are closest to you that know you that love you. Um so there's always there's good and bad of like having it out or having it private. Like there's always going to be pros and cons to both. Like no matter what your story is or what the situation is, like there, you know, it was difficult many times over the year to like not share anything. Um, and I can only imagine like if I felt a ton of like weight and pressure having like a whole section of my life, like being quiet for a year, like mm-hmm. hearing that you kept your story and like kind of what you were working through quiet for like five years, like that just hit me so deeply. Cause I know like there are moments when it's just like, I feel like I'm not even sharing my life. Cause this is such a big part of my life. Like Mm-hmm. This isn't even out there, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. just that's so cool to hear kind of how you walked through that season and your transition from, you know, keeping it close to your heart and like working through it and struggling through it and then opening those doors and letting people into that journey and the results that came from that that was just so powerful and life changing for so many others as well as yourself. Yeah. I think that's something that's so cool is that like you sharing your story, like there's other people that are going through health issues, like whatever it may be, and your story can touch their lives. And so I think just in general, by sharing our stories, when we feel peace and we feel ready, we forget that like by doing that, we have the power to influence and and encourage and inspire so many other people that might be going through the same things. And the same thing goes with our businesses. We often don't think of it that way, but it's so true. When you live out your purpose in your business, when you are being creative or pursuing your passion, you're inspiring other people to do the same thing. There are so many people, and I hear this all the time with the community and being a part of Rising Tide, that desperately want to start a creative business. That, you know, in many cases, like there are many future photographers out there that follow you. You don't even know it, and you're living their dream. You're actually living what they what they want to be doing. And so sometimes too, when we're brave enough to pursue our dream and we're brave enough to pursue our passion, whatever that looks like, we don't often think about it. But I just want to affirm everyone listening that if you are out there chasing your dream, I guarantee you there's somebody that looks up to you. And if you're mm-hmm. a parent and you're also pursuing that dream, you're setting an incredible example for your children. You're showing them that oh, they too that. have the ability to go chase their passion. And um, you know, I think that that's something that I've been been leaning more into now that I'm a mom and you know I think of little Huey and I I'm, now it's kind of gets tough cuz I'm like if I wanted to give him this advice and I'm not actually living it out right you know yeah. I've got to live it out so if I want him yep. to grow up and pursue his passion and make an impact and be the best version of himself then you better believe I've got to do the same thing and so I think we forget that uh. too That's so good that's a whole other episode yeah. on like a mom tri- <laughs> wow words mom Entrepreneur. That's the word I was trying to say. <laughs> you got anyway, it. you got it. 
No, Natalie, thank you so much. You have just like took us on a wild journey in the last hour of like business. And you've just been spitting business fire. You've been spitting emotional fire. You got me crying. You got us like hands to the air praise. I just, I love your story so much. And I think it resonates with so many people. My biggest question for you right now is I'm, didn't you move back to Annapolis? Oh, oh my gosh. Where do I live? (laughs) Oh, this is a great question. Um, yeah, so we left California. We moved back to my hometown of Annapolis, and then we got here. We had baby Huey. We looked at each other and we said, "Why are we? Why are we like going down this path of trying to buy a bigger house and more stuff to fill it?" And this is not what we're being called to do. I mean, we really had sort of a tough moment um, after he was born, and so my husband and I basically decided we don't know where we're going to end up. We have no idea where this life is going to take us, but we do know one thing, and that is that following the path to the white picket fence and the bigger home and the more stuff is not the answer. So we sold the house. We moved in with my in-laws. We are preparing for next year where we're going on the road for a couple months. We're going to be driving all over the country. We'll spend a couple more months on the West Coast, and then from there, we we truly have no idea where we're going to end up. So maybe we'll come visit you, Lindsay, in Hawaii. <laughs> Please do. We'll show with you in California. Please so do. Although we're, we're just taking it day by day. Okay. I had no idea because I've not told anybody publicly this either, but me and my husband, Loki, are, well, and Eloise, our little girl, are probably going to do the same thing. Like we want to do like van life with a child. I so what's what, caravan? Well, <laughs> let's do it. I'm all for the caravan lifestyle. Uh, we can do it together. And um, you're just going to have to teach me the dance moves because I've been practicing them. <laughs> they're we not will quite get, we will up get, to your level. No, we will do a dance tutorial with Eloise Amazing. and Huey and it'll be great. And you guys can Why come and that like- on YouTube yet. That should be on the vlog. Evie, like there should be okay. a breakout vlog episode I'm with so you ready. doing a dance tutorial. Oh I'm my ready. Gosh. The world is ready. Okay. I'm so ready. The we should do ready. it. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Well, one last question, Natalie. Well, okay. Maybe two last questions. What is next for you like business-wise? So if that's kind of where your personal life is headed, what is next for you on the horizon like in your career? So I love the work I'm doing right now with Honey Book and Rising Tide. On the personal side, though, I also am writing a book. So I've been working on that. Um, Really, really passionate about it. I see that's probably the, the next big personal project. Wow. That's so awesome. Uh, Do you have any like juicy info on it? What I can tell you is that, um, a, you know, well, I, I don't see, I'm so tempted to really spill some juicy gossip, but what I will say instead is that it's a book that I really do feel at my heart the world needs. And oh. it's a book that I wish existed when I was kind of coming into my own, stepping into my career. And um, it's all about, you know, basically how to fight back against a world that is pitting us against each other. And Ooh. it's my heart on a bunch of pages and I can't wait to to have it printed. So let's hope – right now we're in the – I just finished the proposal process. So now we're just waiting for um, the right publisher to see the vision and the mission and join forces to make it happen. Mm. I um, will be in line to pick it up and read same. it. Like, yes. Absolutely. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for being here, for sharing so much of your heart and so much like knowledge and freaking just fire. We would love for our audience to be able to like fully plug into you and connect with you. So can you like share just really fast where our audience can like connect with you and follow up? Yeah, absolutely. So I would even say, you know, 
feel free. We've talked about so much. If you are a business owner and you are curious about HoneyBook, I know these ladies have an awesome opportunity for you guys to sign up. So you can always go to HoneyBook.com. On the flip side, if you're looking for community and you are also where I was, where I was desperately you know, longing for that connection and wanting to find my people, you just go to HoneyBook.com slash Rising Tide. You can get plugged in. We've got over 400 meetups amazing human beings leading those meetups. You can also head to Instagram at Rising Tide Society. And then if you want to connect, you know, one-on-one or you have questions about either HoneyBook or Rising Tide, or you just want to slide into the DMs and have a ridiculous conversation, I'm down for it. You can go on Instagram to at Natalie Frank or NatalieFrank.com. And I would love to be a part of your journey and support you any way that I can. Ah, thank you so much, Natalie. Please, everyone, go follow her. Go, like, check her out. She is incredible. Her baby's incredible. And I am so excited to watch you guys on the road and just just see where your adventure goes. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to just record this podcast with us. We are so, so honored to have you as one of our first guests when we launched this podcast. Um, So thank you so much. We do not take it lightly, and we are so stoked that to just have you. Oh, this was such an honor. So thank you for asking me. And oh, I'm just excited for you. This podcast is going to be amazing. Like amazing. Thanks. I can't wait to see what other guests you have. I'm cheering for both of you. Oh, thanks, Natalie. We love you. Bye, girl. Love you, guys.